As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good to see each and every one of you on this Labor Day weekend. Thanks for joining us for church, whether you're on the main floor, up in the balcony, if you're joining us online, good choice to be together uh, with God's people today. Hey, let me start with a question. What do these three people have in common? A chef, a coach, and a conductor. I know it kind of sounds like it's like a, a priest, a, a rabbi, and a politician all walking into a bar. It's not that joke. What do these three people have in common? A chef, a coach, and a conductor. Think about it. What does a chef do? A chef takes random ingredients and mixes them together for maximum flavor impact. What does a coach do? A coach trains and inspires and encourages players to have maximum athletic impact. And what does a conductor do? A conductor takes all the musical sounds of the woodwind and the brass and the string and percussion to put it all together for maximum tonal impact. So what does a chef, a coach, and a conductor all have in common? They maximize the opportunity that's in front of them for maximum impact. And isn't that what we're supposed to do, church? Isn't that what we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're to maximize kingdom opportunities for kingdom impact? Well, if you've been with us this past month at High Point, you know that each week we've been going back to school. We've been being schooled in the essentials of the Christian faith. So how are we doing, class? Are we doing okay? Are we learning some things over the last month? Well, let's do a review of the course syllabus. Uh, week number one was Christianity 101, following the call. 201, joining the mission. 301, sharing the message. 401, multiplying the ministry. And today, Christianity 501, maximizing kingdom opportunity. Now, when we're talking about kingdom, I hope that you understand what we're talking about. We're not talking about building a political kingdom. That's what the Jews wanted Jesus to do, and Jesus rebuked the Jews. And we're not building personal kingdoms. How many of you would agree too much of that is already going on in our world today, right? And we're not talking about building the high point kingdom. High point is not a kingdom. High point is a church. And we're trying to do our very best to live on mission, to help people believe in, belong to, and become like Jesus. Amen? And so when we're talking about kingdom today, we're talking about God's kingdom. And Jesus is king. Yes, Jesus is king. That's a reality. I'm not referencing Kanye West. Jesus is king. And he's king of his kingdom. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be looking at the parable of the talents, but I want you to just understand a little bit of the context of Matthew 24 and 25. That Jesus is sharing three parables in a row. First, there's the parable of the obedient and disobedient servants. Then there's a parable of the ten virgins, and then our passage today is the parable of the talents. Each of these parables are all about anticipating the king's return. 
It's about loving the king's return. It's about looking for the king's return. And today we're going to be looking at laboring faithfully for the king's return. Our king is coming. And what we want to do is we want to maximize a kingdom opportunity before he comes. And so we're going to be looking at the parable of the talents. If you were with us a few weeks ago, Pastor Ron was preaching about the parable of the soils. He helped us understand that a parable is not just an earthly story of the heavenly meaning. Perhaps you learned that in Sunday school growing up. But a parable really is this, is that it's a hardcore spiritual revelation communicated through everyday realities. And so we're going for today, we're going for maximum kingdom opportunity. Who's with me? You with me? Okay, why why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here to hear from you and your word. God, more of your words, less of my words. God, more of your spirit, less of me. God, would we hear from you today, not just with our ears, but God, would we hear from you in our hearts? God, would we surrender ourselves to you? And God, would we seek to live lives of maximum kingdom impact because we're taking advantage of maximizing the kingdom opportunities that are in front of us? And so God, speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you're taking notes, here is principle number one. Principle number one is this, is that kingdom opportunity is available to all. It's available to you. It's available to the person next to you. It's available to me. Kingdom opportunity is available to all. Well, where do we see this in the text? If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. That's a really key word for today, entrusted. The man entrusted to his servants his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he, the man, went away. So this is the parable of the talents in our household. One of our favorite TV shows is AGT. How many America Got Talent fans here? If you watch that show, it is both amazing, especially like the tryouts. It's amazing, but it's also a little bit disturbing, right? And so what we're talking about with the parable of talents is not a talent show. There is a judge, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but it is not Simon Cowell. And so let's define the key elements in this parable so that we understand where we're going. Here are the key elements. The man that we saw, that's, of course, that's Jesus. The servants, the managers, that's us. Well, what's a talent? A talent is 20 years of wages. Back in the Bible times, a talent was a weight of measurement, usually in gold or silver. It was the maximum monetary value that you could have. It was equal to, get this, 20 years of wages. So let's just think about this in modern day. If we take inflation into consideration, if someone makes $50,000 a year, And this is 20 years of wages. How much money are we talking about for one talent? That's $1 million. And so the king gave to his managers $5 million, $2 million, $1 million to entrust to them that they would invest it. 
And then what's the journey? The journey is, if the man is Jesus, it's the time from the first coming to the second coming, from when Jesus leaves to when Jesus is coming back again. So you understand kind of the context of where we're going with this? Is that there is a king and he gives his entire financial portfolio to three managers. And then he goes away and he's expecting to come back and get an ROI. What's an ROI? A return on investment. Think about it for yourself. Let's think about you have some money. And so you take your money and you give it to three financial managers. Who owns the money? Does the financial manager own the money? No, you own the money, but the financial manager is entrusted with, again, that key word, entrusted with your money to manage your money so that there would be an ROI. Let's say that you're now facing retirement, so now you go back to your three money managers. When you go back to your money managers, how many of you would not expect an ROI? Of course, that's what we would want. So if you're tracking with what I'm saying here in this illustration, you're going to fully understand this parable. So is this parable about money? Yes? No? Raise your hand if you think it's about money. Raise your hand if you don't think it's about money. Raise your hand if you're not sure because you think it's a trick question. (laughs) Really, the reality is it is about money, but it's not just about money. So the answer is yes and no. So in the parable that Pastor Ron preached a couple of weeks ago about the four soils, Jesus clearly defined what the four soils were. They were the four hearts in receptivity to God's word. Jesus does not clearly define what the talents are in this passage. And so for sure it's money, but it's more than money. Some Bible teachers make the mistake of teaching it exclusively about money. Other Bible teachers make the mistake to teach it exclusively about spiritual gifts. But if we think about it, a talent is everything because it's whatever God has entrusted to you. The 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, for what do you have that you did not first receive? It's a rhetorical question, right? Think about it. What do you have that you did not first receive? What's the answer? What's the obvious answer? The answer is nothing. If you don't understand this, you're missing it. That everything that we have comes from the Lord. Not just some things or most things, but everything comes from the Lord. So what do you have that you did not first receive? So then, if you received it, why do you boast if you did not receive it? So at the center of this parable is lordship. That Jesus is king that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord of all. And because Jesus is king, because he's Lord, because he's Lord of all, he owns it all. You don't own it, but you're a manager. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a manager. You're a manager. You're not an assistant manager. You're not an assistant to the regional manager. I have good news for you, church, that you are not Dwight Shute. For those of you who are office fans, you're like, thank God I'm not Dwight Shute. But you are Michael Scott. 
So track with me that you are the manager. That it's your responsibility to manage and you're responsible for being a good manager or a poor manager. You can't blame others. You can't make excuses for your lack of management. That you're the manager with what God has entrusted to you. So again, what has God entrusted to you? God's entrusted everything that you have comes from the Lord. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 11. It says this, for from him and through him and to him are what? All things. So I spent several hours this week studying that phrase, all things. And what does all things mean? All things. All things. So let's take this verse and let's personalize it. For from him and through him and to him is my house, my car, my assets. For from him and to him and through him are my relationships, my family, my influence. For from him and to him and through him is my time. For from him and to him and through him are what? All things. All things are from him and through him and to him. And so much like if you were to invest your money with three financial managers and you were to go back to them at your retirement, you're expecting an ROI on what you have entrusted to them. That God has entrusted you with everything that you have. And he's expecting an ROI on what he has entrusted to you. Again, spiritual and kingdom opportunities are available to all, but they require an individual response, which leads us to principle number two, if you're taking notes. Kingdom opportunity requires an individual response. Well, where do we see this in the text? Picking back up in verse 16. That he who received five talents went at once and he traded them and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and he dug it in the ground and he hid his master's money. So each of these three managers were given an opportunity. How many of them responded to their opportunity? Raise your hand, one, two, or three. How many responded to their opportunity? All three responded to their opportunity because to not respond is to respond. Not all the responses were the same. The first two, they were faithful. The Last one was unfaithful. The first two were faithful to invest and to maximize that opportunity. In fact, they delivered a 100% ROI. But the last one was unfaithful. He ignored and neglected. He squandered his opportunity. What did he do? He took his talent and he buried it in the ground, perhaps so that he could go back and play video games or something. And so each individual was entrusted with an opportunity, but each required an individual response. 
So the last month, we've been talking about the I'm In initiative. You've been tracking with us with I'm In? I hope that you understand this. Hear my heart in this. The I'm In initiative is not about the flags and the t-shirts that are out in the lobby. The I'm In initiative is not trying to fill serving slots in our church. It's not trying to pack groups. That's not it. Here is what the I'm In initiative is all about. It's about helping you to maximize kingdom opportunity. You know, over the last 18 months, different people have stepped away. Some have stepped aside from various things due to caution. And I understand caution for sure. But hear my heart in this, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. My caution to you is that you wouldn't let your caution to turn into complacency so that you miss maximizing kingdom opportunities that are in front of you. So the I'm In initiative is about helping people get connected into serving, into groups. Why the emphasis on serving in groups? Again, hear my heart. My desire is that each one of you would experience the immense joy and growth that comes from serving the Lord in a way that produces abundant fruitfulness in your life as well as in the life of others. I want you to be able to maximize kingdom opportunity that's in front of you. And the same thing for groups. I want you to be able to experience spiritual growth in your life by being in a spiritual community that God has created you for community. A lot of research has been done recently about the new pandemic. I'm not talking about the Delta variant. What's the new pandemic? It's about the emotional and relational and spiritual suffering that people are experiencing due to isolation. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out of all sound judgment. That God did not create us to live in isolation, but God created us to live in community. Why? Because God is community. That God has, exi- has eternally existed in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's created us to be in community with him as well as in community with others. That's why we're putting such a strong emphasis in this season in community because we need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need each other. And so ladies, starting this month, we're gathering together ladies from this location once a month on a Wednesday night because we want our ladies to be able to be in spiritual community with each other to be able to experience fellowship and support from one another. Uh, The first one is in 10 days on September the 15th. Don't miss out on this, ladies. A great opportunity to gather together. And men, we're having a breakfast this Saturday. And so you can find out more about it on the app. You can sign up for it. It's free. There's no cost for it. We are catering in from buttermilk. Yes, buttermilk. We're going to have pancakes and eggs and bacon. Yes, bacon. Come on out, guys. And we're going to have an opportunity to be able to be uh, connected together as men and to talk about our vision for High Point Men. We're going to If you want to uh, play basketball afterwards, we're going to open up the gym. We're making our biggest uh, impact or our biggest intentional uh, relationships with men in this uh, season that's ahead. We're encouraging every man to join a men's group. 
We got different men's groups that are happening in our church. I'm leading two of them. You're welcome to be a part of one with me or any other leader in our church. We're going to be looking at 10 essentials for biblical manhood. We're going to be looking at identity and spiritual growth and life balance and work and friendships. How many of us need some help in those areas? Don't miss this opportunity to be invested in men. We need each other. We need community. There's lots of groups, men's groups, women's groups, married groups, young married groups, young family group. We have a new group that's starting for parents of teens. We've got hope groups for those who are experiencing suffering and struggles. We all have suffering and struggles. All that to say is we have a group for you. So are you in? Have you said I'm in? Have you signed up for a serving team or for a group? Because as we're learning in this message, the kingdom opportunity is available to all, but it requires an individual response. And to not respond is to respond. So let's get in. Let's maximize kingdom opportunity that's in front of us. Before we get to principle number three, I think it's important for us to understand that we are in 2021, but we're living between verses 15 and verses 19. Do you see that? Verses 15 is when Jesus goes away, he ascends into heaven. Verse 19 is when Jesus comes again. How many of you can sense the turmoil that's in our world today? Do you know the word Maranatha? I've been saying the word Maranatha a lot these days. The word Maranatha means this, come Lord Jesus. When I turn on the news, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. When I sense the turmoil, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That our King is returning. And when King Jesus returns, we're all going to need to give an account before King Jesus. That's right. We're all going to need to give an account. The Bible talks about two judgments. Do you know what they are? The great right throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. So let's put on our thinking caps. Let's learn some things at church. Anyone interested in learning some things today? So here are the two judgments that we see in scripture. The great white throne judgment is Revelation 20. And this is for unbelievers. And the witness for the great white throne judgment is the book of life. Is one's name written in the book of life? I hope that all of your names are written in the book of life. If not, today is a day of salvation for you. So you can get your name written in the book of life. Well, what's the issue of the great right throne judgment? It's all about salvation. What's the criteria? Faith in Christ as Savior. And then what's the results? If your name's not in the book of life, it's eternal condemnation. And so that's one judgment. Uh, the second judgment we see is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is the judgment seat of Christ. Perhaps you've heard of the Bema seat. Have you heard that before? Bema is the Greek word for this. This is the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. It's for believers. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be there with me. That this is for us. What's the witness? The witness is each of us. Each of us giving an account for the opportunities that God has entrusted us with. What have we done with these opportunities that he has given to us? The issues are that of sanctification. The criteria is faithfulness to Christ as Lord. And the results will be either rewards bestowed or, or rewards withheld. So we're in the parable of talents. So is the parable of talents, is it about salvation or sanctification? Is it about faith in Christ as Savior 
or is about faithfulness to Christ as Lord? Well, it's a parable. It could apply to both. But for sure, it applies to the latter. That genuine faith is going to produce genuine fruitfulness in your life. That James 2.17, it says that faith without works is what? Is dead. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not by works, so we're not saved by works. But then it goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ. So we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. And so let's make sure that we understand this, that we're not building a theology based only on one parable, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do, especially as it relates to eschatology and soteriology. We need to take in the whole counsel of God. But don't miss this, that each of us are going to need to give an account before Jesus, that that is our final exam. And that is what leads to our next principle. Our next principle is this, is that kingdom opportunity is rewarded when maximized. Starting in verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants, so the king of these managers, came and settled accounts with them. And he had received the five talents. He came forward first, bringing his five talents more, saying to the master, you delivered me five talents, but here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. For you've been faithful over a little, and I'm going to put you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22, and the one who had two talents, he came forward as well. Saying, master, you delivered to me two talents, but here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So do you see these two faithful managers? That they had three rewards. Do you see what the rewards are? First we see, well done, that good and faithful servant. Just the verbal affirmation. How many of you want to hear that someday? Well done, that good and faithful servant. In order to hear that in the future is dependent upon how we take advantage of opportunities today. You've been faithful over a little, so I'm going to set you over much increased responsibility. Notice, you've been, faithful, you've been faithful over all of this that I've given to you. Now go take a Mediterranean cruise on me. That's not what the king said to his manager. Instead, he gave him more responsibility. But we understand this, right? That's why athletes train in the off-season so they can get game time during the main season. That's why as an employee, you work really hard so you can get that promotion, so you can get an increased pay, an increased title, and increased what? Responsibility. Students, that's why you study really hard for Algebra 1 so you can pass Algebra 1 so that you can be rewarded with Algebra 2. Somehow that doesn't feel like much of a reward. But you get it. If you're faithful with something, you're going to have more responsibility. And so the verbal affirmation increased responsibility and then enter into the joy of your master, spiritual blessing. That you get to experience joy and your master experiences joy in you. What a wonderful thing. 
But now let's con contrast this with the third manager, which leads to principle number four. Principle number four is this, is that kingdom opportunity is lost when squandered. Verse 24, and he who had received one talent, he came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not sow seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. So here's what's yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Seems pretty harsh, right? Get to that in a moment. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at least. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Again, ROI. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will more be given and he will have it in abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into utter darkness in that place, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So is this a reference to hell? Again, it's important that we don't build our theology exclusively on one parable. Is this parable about salvation? Yes, but it's also about sanctification. Could it, the outer darkness be the, the emptiness felt when a reward was not given. Don't miss this point, though. Is that though one steward was given an opportunity, and what did he do? He squandered it. And because he squandered it, he lost it. Well, why did he squander it? Why did he hide it? What does the text tell us? It's because he was what? He was afraid. And he had a perception about the king. What was it that fueled his perception? Could it be that back in verses 14 and 15, when he was given one talent, he looked and he saw how others were given more talents than him? Could it be that he was envious and bitter? Could it be that he had self-pity on himself? Was the king unfair to give one talent to one, two to another, five to another? Is it unfair for you to take your money and give it to three financial managers but give different percentages to the different managers? That, of course, is, that's so unfair, right? If you're really fair, why are you giving it to three managers? Why not four or five? No, if you're really fair, you know, you give $100 to every financial manager in DuPage County. Now that is fair. And so let's be careful. Let's guard ourselves from being upset and thinking that God is not fair. Thank God that God is not fair. If God was fair, how many of us would be forgiven? Zero. Praise God for his grace. Amen? 
And so rather than looking at other people, let's have gratitude for what God has given to us. This point right here hits home to me. It's easy for me to look at all the amazing talent that we have here at High Point. I look at the musical talent of Sarah Smith. I look at the preaching talent of Pastor Ron. I look at the people and communication skills of Amy Martin. I look at the creativity and the cool vibe of Pastor Marty. I look at the incredible hair, I mean the incredible management of our executive pastor, Pastor Steve. And I look at all these talents that are around me and I feel insecure. I look at my neighbor and his new ride. Well, I'm driving a 2007 Honda Odyssey. Yes, soccer moms, I'm one with you. <laughs> or I look at my friend who got the new iPhone and I want the upgrade. Or I scroll through Instagram and I see everyone else's amazing life because everything we see on Instagram is real, right? And all of a sudden I want someone else's life. Anyone with me? And so... I don't often think about jealousy and envy and covetousness. But what surfaces in me? It's the insecurity. It's the self-pity. It's the I wish I had something else. But when I'm feeling that way, if you're feeling that way, think about it. Absent is your love for God. Absent is your love for people. Absent is gratitude. Absent is a sense of appreciation for what even one talent is that you don't deserve. And so this third manager was given one talent. Again, remind me, church, how much is one talent? It's what? It's a million dollars. And yet he's filled with insecurity and self-pity and fear. And he buries it and he squanders his opportunity. And what happened because he squandered his opportunity? That the king took his talent and he gave it to someone else who was maximizing the talent. I can picture God up in heaven and he looks down and he sees an individual squandering opportunities. The next opportunity that's come around, why would God give it to him? I see this faithful sister who is maximizing her opportunities. Why don't I give her more opportunities? Isn't this what you would do with your financial manager? If you had three of them and one wasn't doing anything, wouldn't you take that money and put it with someone who's doing something? And so let's not squander our opportunities. Let's be faithful. You know, I think it's easy to look at other people. But we need to stop comparing ourselves. We need to be, stop being filled with fear and anxiety, and insecurity. And we need to start walking by faith, 
And we need to start taking advantage of the opportunities that God has placed in front of us, right in our homes, and in our school, in our community, at our workplace, and yes, right here at High Point Church. I'm convinced that you're here on Labor Day weekend, not because you want to squander opportunities, but I'm convinced that you want to maximize opportunity. Am I right? Do you want to maximize opportunity? And so you're here and that's what you want in your life. And so let's take advantage of what God has given to us and let's be faithful. And when we are faithful, we're going to hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That we're going to experience God's great joy. And in the end, we will have great joy as well. And so here we come kind of to the end of this message. We come to the end of this uh, sermon series. And any educators here in the house? Any educators? Any teachers? We love our teachers. Raise your hand proud. We love our teachers. And so Jesus is coming. So Jesus is coming back again, right? We know Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back again, we're going to have this final exam. And when we have this a final exam as teachers, as educators, you know as you're preparing your students for that final exam, that the way to prepare your students is to teach them what they need to know, right? So we've been doing that a little bit today. And then uh, as a good teacher, trying to help them apply what they're learning, I hope that you're doing that as well. But a good teacher is also going to have quizzes and tests and exams. As much as we hate those things, but those are all indicators that are helping us to be ready for that final exam. And so I hope that you brought your number two pencil to church. I did. And so we're going to do a little bit of a exam today. I encourage you to grade yourself. I'm not going to pass around any scantrons, but this is a self-assessment. How are you doing at maximizing kingdom opportunity that God has given to you? You're going to see five statements on the screen. I want you to grade yourself. Are these value statements true of you? Would you give yourself an A, B? Are you kind of barely passing with that C, D? Or is there some areas of failure in your life that you need to like shore up? And so take a look at these statements on the screen. Five values for maximizing kingdom opportunities. I've been one to worship. Are you maximizing the kingdom opportunity by prioritizing weekend worship? You're here today. That's a good thing. Is your record over the past year, is it leaning towards truancy? Or is that a priority that's in your life? And not just like attendance to get the check mark for the day. But are you leaning in? Or are you engaging with God in his word and in worship? And not just participating on Sunday, but are you feeding yourself spiritually throughout the week by spending time in prayer and in his word and your own personal worship? What kind of grade would you give yourself? I've been one to worship. Second, I've been, sure, been matured to multiply. Are you maximizing the opportunity that's in front of you to not just be a disciple, but to make disciples? Who are you investing in? 
Are you in a growth group so that you can be invested in and then as well as invest in others through mutual ministry? Again, what grade would you give yourself? I've been saved to serve. Are you maximizing the kingdom opportunities that are in front of you to serve the Lord by serving others? That 1 Peter 4.10 says that each has been given a gift. Yes, that's each person. That's you. You've been given a gift not to serve yourself, but to serve others. As good stewards, as good managers of God's varied grace. Have you said, I'm in? Have you signed up for a serving team? What kind of grade would you give yourself as it relates to this? I've been found to find Are you maximizing opportunities to share your faith with others? When was the last time that you shared your faith story with someone else? When was the last time you invited someone to come to church? Are you engaging with your neighbors? Are you engaging with your coworkers? What kind of grade would you give yourself in this? And then lastly, I have been blessed to invest. Are you maximizing the kingdom opportunities that are in front of you with the resources that God has given to you? Realizing that you're not the owner, that you're the manager. Are you a good manager or a poor manager? Are you stewarding what God has given to you? Are you climbing the ladder of generosity or descending the ladder of generosity? What? grade would you give yourself as it relates to this? Well, we do this self-test, this self-exam, self-assessment, self-reflection, not to create pride in any of us. Believe me, I have plenty of ways to grow. We don't do this to create shame in any of you. We all have a long way to go. But what are some areas that you see in your life that could be identified? Again, we're preparing for our final exam. We're going to need to give an account before the Lord as it relates to these things. And our final test will be dependent upon what we choose to do today. And so what's an area that you can grow in? How can you pull up your letter grade in this semester that's ahead? Now, I know it's easy in a message like this, especially when we close with like doing a test, that it's easy, at least for my personality, to be like, I just need to try harder. I just need to do better in these areas. Can I remind you? That's not the strategy. For apart from him, we can do nothing. That's why we end our weekend worship services with the four words, walk in his strength. I can't do this, but it's his strength in me. I don't do these things so that I can gain God's approval. God's approval is not dependent upon your performance. God's approval is dependent upon what Christ has done for you on the cross, that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, that you are loved. So why is it Why is it that we then need to do good works? Why is it that we should work on these things? It's not to gain God's approval, 
but it's out of an overflow of gratitude for who he is and for what he has done. And out of a genuine love for other people that I want to have a life that impacts other people for the good. So again, it's not about more self-effort. If you don't get anything about the message today, get this. It's not self-effort, but it's surrender. That Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord of all. And so therefore, therefore we surrender ourselves to him. We surrender our time. We surrender our finances. We surrender our relationships. We surrender ourselves. We surrender our fears. We surrender our anxieties. We surrender our insecurities to him. And when we surrender ourselves, then he rules and reigns in our lives. And when he rules and reigns in our lives, then he is going to empower us to maximize every kingdom opportunity that's in front of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for what you have entrusted to us. God, would you guard us from comparing ourselves to other people and to be thankful for who you've created us to be and this place in life that you have put us and the opportunities for influence that you have given to us. God, we realize that it's not of ourselves, but it's from you, that everything is from you and through you and to you. And so because of that, God, we surrender ourselves afresh and new today. God, we acknowledge that you are the Lord that you are the king. And God, we want to serve you out of gratitude for who you are and for what you have done. And so God, it's not through our self-efforts, but it's because of what you're doing in our lives. And so God, we need you. We confess that we need you. We bow ourselves before you because we need you.